I am Brooklyn-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. If you would like to reach out to us for feedback or show suggestions, show topics, please feel free to contact us at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to new or past episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. If you are having trouble listening to us on your preferred platform, or if you want us to be on a platform that we're not currently on, make sure that you send us a private message on our Instagram page at Black Therapist Podcast, or you can just drop us a message or send us an email at blacktherapistpodcast.com. If you want insider tips, resources, and access to our free mental health course, make sure that you text Get Happy to 66866. And my new book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy, is available right now on Amazon. You can go to our website or go to our Instagram pages and click the link and purchase because we want to help you get your relationships together for 2018 and beyond. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Okay, so I told you guys that we were probably going to take a week off and, and do some other things, but um, I actually had to to record a episode of the Oprah Rose podcast, which I'm assuming is like if Oprah and Amber Rose had a baby, <laughs> they would end up with this podcast. And so today I was able to, um, well, actually invited to be on the show, which was a, a really big honor. And yeah, the juxtaposition between being a spiritual and sexually liberated woman is that point you're going, is that at some point you're going to end up on both knees? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Join Tiara and Gina as they discuss sex, Drake, religion, and everything in between on the Oprah Rose podcast. So I was invited by Tiara to come and join her and Gina on the podcast and I recorded today. So our show is kind of a show within the show because I'm going to uh, play a, a clip of my appearance on the show today, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. So I, as I sit here, I am in our brand new black therapist podcast t-shirt because I told you my goal for 2018 was to get some merchandise up for the, the website and there are only a few t-shirts because I'm working on prototypes right now and I want to make sure that the things that you guys would actually like and wear and so I particularly love this shirt that I have on right now but um I am designing some other stuff for you guys. And it's, it's, it's been a, a journey. So my goal for 2018 was not only to do this, but to really, truly launch the coaching part of my business, get our course on finding happy off the ground and start pushing the book a little, a lot more. So part of what I 
I am doing is I have created a free challenge that I want you guys to get involved in. It's a free healthy love challenge and we're going to start it probably in a few weeks. Right now I don't have a date. My dog Leo is looking at me in my face right now. I don't know why. Right now I don't have a date for when I when we're going to start, but we're going to start it probably around the beginning of February, which is Love Month, which is also Black History Month, which is Black Love Month. Um, and so I want you guys to start thinking about how you can start to infuse more healthy relationships into your life at that time. So that's what I have going on. And... Yeah, I'm really excited about the Healthy Love Challenge. Um, I'm going to do a few more challenges this year. One is healthy love, one is self-love, and one is toxic relationships. Because as I told you, not only do I want to be a resource for you to do, to to talk only about mental health, but if we, we're not talking about aspects of your life that will keep you healthy, then it doesn't make sense to talk about mental health. Like your relationships have a direct bearing on your health. And we talk about the benefits of having healthy relationships in the challenge, but it, do you want to growl? See, see, he's saying hi to you guys. Um, Hey, this is what I got to deal with the disrespect. Um, okay. He wants to be on my lap. He doesn't want to be on my lap. He go away from me. I had to deal with none of this at the podcast recording earlier. It was so professional. This, this is me. This is just me. Um, so we were talking about healthy love. So yeah, you know, infusing more, more, more healthy habits into your love life. It's so necessary. And so that's what we got going on. And that's what we're going to do. Um, our first challenge for 20, 2019. I want to say 2018. It's not 2018, 2019. So be on the lookout for our merchandise. I updated the website. So black therapist podcast website is up. You can get all of the old episodes from there. And hopefully within the next few weeks or so, as I'm still plotting out and planning for the challenge, we'll be able to do um, to get the merchandise up there ASAP. Okay, so yeah, that's it. Enjoy this episode on the the podcast. We talk about a lot of different things. We talk about Michelle Obama's book, which I haven't read. I I believe I have it. I do have it and I haven't read it. I haven't started to read it. We talked about my book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. We talk about R. Kelly a little bit and um, relationships, settling versus being open. And I share my opinion on settling versus being open and why I think it's better to not like somebody you date as opposed to liking them in the beginning and we talk a little bit about that so I want to thank Tierra and Gina for having me on it was such an amazing experience and if you listen you'll you'll learn a little bit more about me okay all right so I'm gonna get into the clip from their show their show comes out on Wednesday and it is available on all outlets wherever podcasts are 
found and you can go to their website, the Oprah Rose Show dot com. Okay. Oh, and if you want to sign up to our new challenge, please make sure to text Get Happy to 66866. If you want to purchase our book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. Somebody has actually compared it to The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which I also didn't read. But yeah, it, it, it teaches you strategies of how to find healthy love after dealing with dysfunction. Okay. So there, we're going to get in the episode. So before we, you know, get into like our topics and stuff, um, we wanted to introduce our guest today. Um, our guest is Nikia Banks from the Black Therapist Podcast. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you. I mean, I, I think we wanted somebody that has kind of like, we just not even like banter or go back and forth, but you know, that actually is well-versed and trained in this and just certain topics and whatnot. So we thank you. Um, give us a little bit of background on you and why you wanted to become a therapist, um, what that journey has been like for you. Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like that's a, it's a whole long discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and I talk about that a lot on my podcast, Black Therapist Podcast, where we talk about my journey from patient to practitioner. So first, I was depressed. I didn't know that that's what it was. Um, and I kept telling my friends, well, hey, you know, I'm, something's off, right? And I would have these conversations. I'll say, well, when my real life comes, I'm going to do this. When my real life comes, I'm going to do that. And then it just kind of dawned on me, like, okay, but bitch, you are living your real life. Like, <laughs> you know, you got to, yeah, you either got to make it happen today or no. Nah. So um, I went to my doctor and I was like, I'm sad all the time. And I'm going through a lot of different things. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I, you know, I need a list of doctors. I needed this and I needed that. And I slipped in a therapist in there. And she was, and I was like, but black people don't do that. And she was like, well, good for you. And so, um. So was this like your, um, primary care doctor? PCP. Okay. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So around my birthday every year, my birthday is, is emotionally charged. I've done several different shows about how every year on my birthday, I usually have a meltdown. Um, and so every year around my birthday, usually I have a physical. Mm. And so that was my yearly physical time. And I was like, my life is in the toilet. Like I was sleeping all day. I would get up to take care of my son, maybe wash my ass, brush my teeth. But besides doing what I had to do, I wasn't really doing things I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and I would go out and I would laugh with my friends and I'd be, you know, kiki, like everything was normal. But inside I was like, nah, this is, this is not, this can't be life. Right. And so, um, yeah, I told her, I was like, I, you know, I want to go to, to speak to somebody. And I think at that point I just like bust out crying. So she gave me some medication and I started taking these meds and I went home to my friend and I was telling her, I was like, well, my doctor gave me, you know, a referral to a therapist and she gave me some meds. She was like, bitch, don't take those meds. And so I was like, well, I already took them because I'm willing to do whatever I got to do to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but they made me nauseous. I was going to say, did they help? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was not sleeping all day. I was up early in the crack of dawn. I had all this energy, but I was, um, I, I, I was feeling nauseous. Mm. And so I was like, well, wait a minute. I love my PCP, but she ain't no psychiatrist. Let me go to the therapist first and see what he says. If he thinks I need these medications and then I'll take them if I need them. Right. I went to this old little Jewish guy who I love to death. And 
got in his office and I didn't think he was going to ever get me because I'm like, what the hell she sent me to this guy for? <laughs> um, and as soon as I got there, I sat down and he was like, you're only here as a courtesy. Whoa. I don't know if I'm going to keep you. If I don't think I can help you, I'm going to refer you to somebody who can, but tell me what you, what you what got going on. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. Okay. Tough love. <laughs> and so, um, but it was easier for me because I was like, I could just tell him all my stuff and I maybe never see him again. So mm-hmm. let me just get this all yeah. off my chest. So I told him what all my problems was and all the things I had going on. And I was like, but you know, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to assist me, but I really did want to go to a white guy as a therapist. I was going to ask you that. I did want to go to a white guy because I, I have all of these goals and dreams and aspirations. And I wanted to be with somebody who was entitled mm. to get what they wanted out of life. And there's nobody on this planet who's more entitled to get whatever they want out of life than, you know, white men. I feel like white men are told that they can do anything they possibly can do. Like, y- y'all president don't even read. Right. Mm-hmm. He's the president. And then we have Ivy League Obama over here who was treated like the N-word. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of be uh, entitled to get to make my dreams happen. Right. And I also felt like because a lot of black women that I knew were rocking in the same boat with me, I, I didn't want to go to a black woman because I didn't want them to be like, girl, that, st- that struggle is normal. But I didn't get what the science behind what it is what I do. I just thought she was going to give me an opinion. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want no sister girl opinion for about what I wanted to do. I wanted to get my, <laughs> seriously, I wanted to, 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 I wanted to get my, live a life of my dreams. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I spoke to him, what was different about my therapist was he was from the projects. Like old white Jew from the projects. So I was like, you wait, you got to mix. <laughs> So culturally, I didn't have to explain my struggle as being a minority or being oppressed or being, you know, because he grew up in an environment where he was like one of the only Jewish people around, you know, impoverished whites, impoverished blacks, and impoverished Hispanics. So he knew what that struggle looked like. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, he still moved through the world in white skin. Right. And so... Um, after I told him what my stuff was, he was like, I think I can help you. You know, it's probably not as bad as you think it is. Let's get to work. And after maybe like going to him for about six months, I felt better. I felt better. I looked better. My friends were asking me what was I doing and what was going on. I would go to therapy and my friends would be like, well, what did your therapist say today? And I'd be like, girl, get your own. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Tips, right? Yeah, don't try to piggyback off Word. my therapist. You go and get your own therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, don't, y'all aren't going through the exact same thing, you know? So it's, I get it. But you know what? People think all they I do is talk to them. Mm-hmm. Talking is, is my, the means of transit, transmission for my message. But there's a whole science behind what it is that we do. And, and, and the whole process or psychological experience of, of, you know, being able to listen to what somebody is telling you that that's distressing them outside of like diagnosis. Right. So you think that you could just go home and talk to your girlfriends and it's going to be the same, but your girlfriends, a lot of them don't know what the hell they talking about. A lot of them don't know what the hell they doing. And so I had to, you know, go to a professional to get that assistance. And after going to him for a few months, I was like, I like this. I think I could do what you do felt like it was super arrogant to say that. <laughs> but he was like, no, I think you'd be great doing what 
you know, doing what I do. And I was like, I want to be Dr. Banks. And he was like, okay, you can be Dr. Banks or you could be psychotherapist Banks. I mean, Dr. Banks is going to take you seven years. You know, uh, we could do Nikita Banks therapist in two. And I was like, I'll take two years, please. <laughs> right. And I did it in a year and a half. So that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That is so wow. what were you, if you don't like, what were you doing before that to make that shift? Like, was it, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but was it something like in line with that or? So I ran a relationship blog, basically just telling uh, people what to do with no really frame of reference. Just basically to give you advice on relationships about what I would do Mm -hmm. if I was in your position. Right. But um, I felt like I should at least know what the hell I was talking about. There's a lot of relationship experts out there who were not experting in nothing. (laughs) Um, and before that, I was an educator. And before that, I was a writer. And so I feel like it kind of just was a natural progression. Yeah, right. And I did public yeah. relations. Like, it, it all combines what I do now. I, I had a podcast, like, years ago. So I'm doing the same exact yeah. things. It's just now I'm on message because I have a career that I'm passionate about. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love that because we are... Um, so we're part of this book club called Brown's Book Club. And we... Re- well, we were reading, we have not finished it, the Michelle Obama Becoming book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and it's discussions amongst, it, it is all black women, and a lot of topics came up yesterday that I was like, oh, these are very, you know, interesting topics that, like, themes that we took from the book that aren't necessarily just, like, explicitly stated. And you talked a lot about some stuff about, like, you know, like, living your real life and then pivoting from what you were doing to, um, to being a therapist. And those those conversations like kept coming up so that's why I was asking like what what it was because I feel like a lot of people were like I'm in this job I hate it I want to quit but I got bills I don't know where to go right don't know what to do um so I love that like to take that to like be to be in that space and be like you know what I can do this and and it's all it seems like you're calling like almost yeah I'm very passionate about it I think that a lot of us find our passion in our pain and I, I think that that time in my life you know, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like it was very courageous for me to be like, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And I need, courageous. and I need help. And yeah, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't thinking that at the time, but looking back on it, like I know a lot of people who are still doing the same thing. I know there's a Muhammad Ali quote. I'm, I'm going to screw it up, but he's basically saying that, you know, he didn't want to be 20 years old, 50 years old doing 20 year old shit. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of grown women I know who don't get it. You know, we all get it when we get it. But I got it a little quicker than some people, and I'm glad. Later than some others, but quicker than some others. And I'm grateful to have gotten it. You got it. it. (laughs) Right, yeah. Right, right. I love that. Um, Some other stuff that came up that, you know, we were talking about, and actually a friend of ours brought it up, um, too, is, you know, we were talking about, like, being open. And so seemingly, you know, Michelle with Obama, Michelle had all these checklists. She, you know, uh, that she, I'm sorry, she herself... uh, was like a you know checking boxes and went to school went to Ivy League school blah 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 had the sob had the apartment um and then here comes Barack who smart intelligent you know he has that that baseline foundation but like he has a hole in his car he's an intern and her intern at that and kind of like how she was open to it and that's how she was able to find love and like a lot of people ask us like send questions and DMs and that kind of thing like well where do I find a man where do I find a man um and then I even thought about myself, and I was like, damn, like, I had to be, and didn't even know it, honestly, that I was being open to my to my now partner, like, 
no shade, but he ain't like all of the things that on my list. Like, I mean, as far as like you treat me right, like caring, but the I think the outside appearances, it was like he doesn't necessarily check those boxes, but it works. Um, and then one of the questions that was brought up was basically it was like, um, how do you know what's the difference basically between settling in a relationship versus being open to one? Ooh. It's a loaded one. Um, so my thing and, and how I counter uh, responded that with her was that I didn't think that at all that she was quote unquote settling with Barack because the, the conversation that kept coming up then was people were talking about how you know guys didn't have like anything that they were looking for and I think that she saw a lot of things that she liked in Barack and he was still very much so an esteemed person yeah he was he was older than her but he didn't go to law school immediately he still he still graduated from Columbia but he was an esteemed um, intern so I felt like she was playing it safe still, even though she was being open. So that I don't, was I, I, I don't think that she was playing it safe. I think that they were compatible. I think that they... If, if you are in a race and someone starts behind you, but you guys are moving in the same direction, then I, you guys are moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's settling if you're open to somebody who may not be not may not have as much as you have just because they started at a different point in life. Do you you get what I'm saying? But you guys got to be going in the same direction. Yeah. Settling is dealing with somebody who don't have nothing on your checklist or whatever just to have a man, I want to talk about somebody. I want to talk about somebody. Um, talk about it. <laughs> um, like I know, I know women who have master's degrees, who have, you know, are were on the career track, knew what they wanted. They they went for it, and then they got to a certain point in their lives, and they realized that they they were alone. They were lonely, right? Or they only date drug dealers, or they only date uh, corner rappers, or a dude just came home from jail, and a lot of that. I don't think that that's it's settling because I'm looking at it and I'm judging mm-hmm. that it's settling, but I don't think it's settling it in that these relationships they satisfy a particular type of personality. Like some women want men who don't have shit just so that they can have a man who don't have shit and who's like dependent on them. So that they ain't gonna go nowhere, they ain't gonna do nothing or whatever. I was I was just watching, and I, I don't really watch a lot of reality TV, but I was just watching um the what's the the new it's like a marriage show, marriage show, marriage boot camp with little Mo and her husband on it, and she, she was just like little Mo's husband, and they made a whole bedroom, and it was like it was a picture of Big Mo, and they made the man's face smaller, and it was like very emasculating. <laughs> Isn't he a boxer or something? Yeah, but but she referred to him as little Mo's husband, and she was like, "You ain't." Oh, she refers to him as that. They played oh. a clip of her doing like the pre-interviews, and she she was like. Dots be all in his DM, but he wasn't nobody before he got with little, with little Mo and da 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 whatever. And so there are certain kinds of, you know, Mary J. Blige and Ken Do. We didn't know who Ken Do was before Mary. Like there are certain kind of personalities that that want these kinds of relationships, but ideally they don't work. Men have to be men. They have to have their own stuff. They have to have their own thoughts. 
dreams, desires, aspirations, and emotions. Because mm-hmm. you cannot, you're never going to have a healthy relationship with an insecure man. Ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Insecure women, it's going to be a little unhealthy. But she may clean it up at some point. But you can ne- you cannot love a man past his insecurities. Never. Mm-hmm. Well. I, right? We're all like, ooh. Yeah. Mm. I'm just making sounds over here. like. Mm. But I will say, do you believe, like, just re- from reading the book, like, for Michelle, for example, because she did not see those insecurities or she saw this potential in Barack that she was able to kind of go into this relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, right, sure. it's not, he, there, there were no blaring red flags. He, he just was like he surface level. Right. <laughs> you can stop smoking. Yeah. His surface level just didn't have, you know, probably the, the quality, not even the quality. He wasn't like the other people she had dated in the past um, before that. So right. I don't, that, hmm. she referenced him as being like a swerver. That was her, her, um, adjective in describing him, someone who lived freely, who um, who still accomplished a lot of things, but he wasn't, he didn't approach life with, all right, this is my list of things I got to do, and this is how I'm going to do them, as opposed to her, where that was how she approached her life. But I also think that that's what worked for them, because... We, as women, when we think we like somebody or somebody may be a potential mate, we put the guard up. So because he wasn't the one checked like everybody else, she was like, man, I ain't thinking about him. So she could be her real self around him. Right. She could let her guard down around him. She could, you know, go out she with him. hook him up with somebody. Right. Like she, she didn't really have to put on like women put on yeah. when they want to be with with men like i had a friend who was a an athlete and he was like man like girls be trying to lock me down they don't want to have sex with me but they'll have sex with everybody else and want to like date me uh uh-uh, uh yeah. bro he was <laughs> yeah, like that sounds about right. he was like treat me like everybody else so uh-huh. i mean you know i know women who kind of put on airs a lot in the relationships because they want to per- be perceived as the marrying kind or the the settling down type mm-hmm for a man and they're not their true selves. Huh. I No, I totally agree with that. I mean, I've, I always try to, like, in anything, it's like, what you see is what you get. There, there's no, like, representatives. Yeah, exactly. These, like, representatives of, like, who, who your person is. And it's like, that. that's so... I, I don't even... To be honest, I don't... I think just because it's not me and I don't have to do... I don't have to do that at work. I don't have to really do that with my... Not even really... I don't have to do that with my family. Like, I don't have to do that in any space. So I just... It's like in relationships. Why are we like? Why are we doing that? I don't know, man. In, in, in any of my long term relationships, I never liked them. So I was always in the beginning. Oh hell no! Oh no! I've missed, I've so I was always, I was always able thing. to like be myself because I'm yeah. like I ain't thinking about you right. like that. That's when you said that I was like that's interesting because yeah. I was like I've anybody in a relationship I've never liked them. I was like child please, I don't want to check for you. And then you like oh my god. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Oh my god! Right, and then you become more open. Yeah, and I like I with my with my partner. I had to make a have a whole conversation with myself because I had known him for a while. I didn't like him. He was a little arrogant. You know, I thought he was trying to sleep with me on the first day. He played in, in the NFL, whatever. Um, and when I met him, I was like, I'm not interested in that. And I just thought he was never going to call me again because of that. And then we, I was like, well, let's just maintain a friendship because. 
And then he was going through something with his child's mother or they had broken up or whatever. And I was like, she sounded like a lovely girl. You really, like on a first date, I was like, you really should get with her because mm-hmm. she seems like she's great. <laughs> you should make that work. And then, I mean, I really believed it. First of all, I had these rules. My rule was I didn't date anybody with a child under two. Uh, under five because okay. under five you still kind of still de- dipping yeah. and dabbing in the baby mama pool I wasn't going right. to be part of that so um, like years had gone by and we were like still speaking and one time I was in his town and I'm like I'm in your city you know are you going to be around this weekend and he's I know it's your birthday whatever he's like no I'm not around I was like okay well I'll call you later he's like wait a minute like I'm really trying to talk to you and I was like about what like I'm not in your city and I'm not in your he was like no like I really I like you and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Then we got off the phone. I was like, girl, wait a minute. Time out. Like, this guy has all of the things that girls would like to have. And you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why are you not giving it, giving into him? Like, what? what's wrong with you? Then, then we, I was like, oh, might have to give this a shot. So, like, I, I've never liked anybody straight off the back like that mm-hmm. that I was in like a long term relationship yeah. with it. Same. Now now I'm like, oh I kinda like see why a little bit because you are really yourself. Yeah, um, so that representative. Right. I lo- loves it. So um at at this point I feel like everybody's probably caught up to speed also with um or with surviving R. Kelly, the six mini series documentary that aired on Showtime. Um, Lifetime. Lifetime. What did I say? Showtime. Thank you. It felt like Showtime. Yeah, I did. Right? It exactly. really did. Like, right. I'm like, I don't even know how I got there. I couldn't believe um, it was on. I mean, I was glad that it was on a cable network. Yeah. And, and I think they've always been like an advocacy for women. So yeah. it's just like, it was like their highest rated show. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Ever, um, probably. Yeah. Like, um, and from that, I think, like, people that were on board, people that, like, still listened or were defending him, like, after seeing, you know, like, these people and faces, like, actual faces, stories, like, factuals, act, facts um, of, like, what he's done and, and like, and the damage that he's caused for, not for families, like, their extended families. Like, it, right. it's, like, undeniable at this point. And I think now you see all these other things coming out, like, I think the studio was being the 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 uh, landlord for the studio is like you owe all this money and the rent. Yeah. Um, we're about to kick you out if we don't pay all this back pay for the studio. But beyond that, it's just it was so much shit. Like it was so he- I felt heavy and I had like nightmares yeah. actually every night after watching it. Like literally had these crazy ass dreams. I was like, that's a goddamn R. Kelly. I know. <laughs> Getting your spirit. Yeah, it was literally. I thought it was weird. I think it was the first night. Because I think they played two two episodes yeah, that first two night. Eight. Yeah, two I of watched each night. Full, right. I watched the full one. And then I think I was like 15 minutes in. And I was like, I can't watch the rest of this. This yeah. is too much. And I had to like go lay down. It's, it's hard because I think, you know, it starts off about his childhood. And so he was um, sexually abused. As, as it, well, the, now they're saying it, it's it was coming out that it's his sister. older sister. Mm-hmm. That his brothers know about it. So what do you think, like... And this is what I was thinking. Obviously... You know, you now he's like playing out these. Your childhood was stolen, so now you are as an adult acting out essentially your, your lost childhood. It's like, is there hope or like redemption for him? Um, like, I, I just had so many questions. Like when watching it, when you say hope or redemption, you mean like for him to just be bad, like be well. not? I think it. You know, like, what? this is a two part question. Let me 
the redemption part. Table. Yeah, I was about to say redemption. Table that wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And because I about to say it's actually not for him; it's for other people. Uh, okay. So they're like, with, again, table that, table that okay. side. Um, but something like that, like, is this all like his childhood, or then is there a point where, like, if he had help, um, is it like, obviously, maybe you would be doing this, maybe you wouldn't. Like, what? How does his childhood like play out in what he's doing in, in these acts with these women, or I'm sorry, young girls? I mean, the same way all of our childhoods play out in all of our lives. It's a foundation for who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the time for intervention was when that teacher said, oh, he used to come in and sing stuff to me that was sexual. And I realized that he had known more about sex than he needed to at his age. You remember when she said oh, that? Yes, part? Yes. That was the time. And that's why now as teachers, we are, man- well, I'm not a teacher anymore, <laughs> as teachers, we're mandated reporters, but I am a mandated reporter as a, as a therapist, because that house should have been investigated mm-hmm. from that point when he was coming to school telling you sexual things in this music. Mm-hmm. Like that was a red flag that, that there were things going on and he was bullied. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, sexually molested. And, and a lot of the, um, people who are abusers have been abused mm-hmm. right but a lot of people who've been abused are not abusers i agree right. so it has a lot to do with his personality development it has a lot to do with the uh, the adult intervention or positive psychological intervention that could have happened when he was younger and he would have told somebody that this was going on um but yeah i think abuse is is harder especially when it's a family member um, because that's somebody you gotta, uh, you gotta pass the peas with mm-hmm. at dinner time, and you yeah. still gotta deal with it. You know, it's very reluctant. Black women are very reluctant to throw away one kid for another, no matter what the other kid has done. So it, it becomes very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it, all I could see was the dysfunction. So I I did forensic social work where I worked with sex abusers and counseled them. Some of them can be helped. Um, R. Kelly is not one of them. He's not asking for help. He's not getting help. He doesn't want help. And on top of that, I I feel like, you know, my my clinical hat, there's some narcissistic personality stuff Mm -hmm. that's happening there. Um, He's already identified with the aggressor, meaning that instead of seeing himself as a victim, he's more powerful and he's going to extend this power over these women. So that doesn't lend for him to get help he has money and status. Women are saying, you know, I want to be a slave mm-hmm. shit at his shows. So yeah. that means he's not going to get help. with like, him last week on his birthday. <laughs> singing right along with him. And at the end of the day, he has to live his life. Yeah. Like he's not, unless he kills himself. Well, I mean, unless he kills himself or die tomorrow, right? Yeah, he has to still live. live his life. And he still has to be able to look at himself in the mirror and, and to be able to do that and still look himself in the mirror and then look at the girls that are still in his house in the mirror like there, there has to be a level of delusion that exists in his world to make him think that this shit is normal mm-hmm. and uh, all the enabling like I feel like everyone around him from whether it was the record labels the that our managers, whole community enables yeah. and that yeah the, the listener like everybody it's almost like we we had all the facts, but again, I think just seeing it laid out 
as it was, you're like, oh, wait, this is actually some really real shit. When it was, it was all out there before. Like, his relationship with Aaliyah was just like, you're not... 15 with a grown man dressing alike like right. oh this is my best friend like, yeah that was like, weird what? like to see them weird yeah to see right but i had a conversation with my girlfriend when i talked about my there was a janitor at my high school who was like in his early 20s and i was like how many girls in school you think he fucked because mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure he was fucking girls in school mm-hmm. you know and coming to find out like you know my my old high school um junior high school gym teacher he killed himself because he was molesting girls he was having sex with 16 year old 15 year old but i was like damn he probably was doing it when i was like 12 13 14 15 it's funny a lot of those were coming out and i saw like some um some facebook going back and forth it was one of my really good friends at her high school actually one of her close friends married their former teacher I, I have so, one too. My someone in my high school group. <laughs> so, still together. I, they're still together. They have a child. Yes. And so now when all of this R. Kelly uh when the documentary aired, people basically started coming for him, for her, and she was lying and saying that they were never intimate in the high school prior to her graduating, but many people know that, that But was let's the keep case. it let's keep it all the way funky. There's something exciting about that, like, sneaking around mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that, you know, a young girl wants you and flirt that flirtation with your teacher. Like, there's something exciting about that. So I, I choose not to judge every single situation mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, like, looking back on it, it's, like, weird. I posted a picture of myself and my son when I was, like, 20. And my boyfriend was like, oh, I like that. I would have messed with that girl. And I was like, you would have been a pedophile because I damn sure look like I was 12 mm-hmm. <laughs> in that picture. Like, this is, this is in the 90s. Like, we didn't really wear makeup and hairs and fake stuff or whatever. We was, right. however we woke up was how we, yeah. you know. So I was like, you would have been a, you'd have been a pedophile. But like it now, looking back at my old photos when I was just eighteen and I wanted to fall in love and I wanted to find a boyfriend or whatever, and I was so excited about that. Looking back at those photos now, I was like, "Bitch, you look twelve. Mm-hmm. Like, who is dating you? Yeah, look right. at twelve. But you know, it, I, we grow up in an environment where these things. I, my my girlfriend, when I was nineteen, was having sex with a neighbor who was her father's one of her father's good friends wow. and I used to be like he got kids your age like why y'all what the fuck y'all got in common yeah, like right. I'm gonna tell your daddy like I used to be like, I wonder yeah, saying about about his dick <laughs> maybe, maybe. Like, vagina well and I think right. we were even saying this yesterday like I think it is very easy to place the victim I'm sorry uh, place the blame on the parents but I was like at the same time like I remember when I was 16 I thought I was so grown. Like, right. you could not tell me nothing. Like, I, I remember, and I said this before, the person that I bought to my, like, ring dance, which is, like, a junior prom, was way older than me. And I lied to my mother about his age. because And then it's like, you know it's wrong. So clearly, hindsight, I knew it was wrong. I lied about his age. He was a pedophile. Like, I was 16. Wait, how old, well, how old was he? Yeah. He was, I think he was, like, 22 or 23 or something like that. So I was 16 mm-hmm. or 17. I think I told my mother he was maybe 18 or something But like you might that. have been legal. And so I actually started looking up all the ages for consent. Right, it, it varies from state, 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 right? But guess what? You may not know, mm-hmm. but he knew. He, right, mm-hmm. he knew. Because yeah. they be knowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he, I didn't lie about my age. <laughs> 
my mother. I did. But that, it's like that. It, 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 that's happened for years. You know, like you said, it's the allure of it. So sometimes I'm like, well, damn, I don't think we can place so much blame on the parents because you're at 16, 17, like the 14 year old and all of that. Like that was crazy. That's disgusting. I don't think I realized that she was that disgusting. young. Like. But and why are you taking your fourteen year old to an R. Kelly concert? Anyway, y'all yeah. she not into R. Kelly. That's what so she that was you know what that was is, weird. Is for that me. a lot of the girls were saying that and I was like, Well maybe that, I mean if they're the same, I think they're like thirty like some of the women that were like in their thirties. But I was doing the math and I was like like I know you like liked past tense R. Yes. Kelly. So like, but were you like a fan fan? Because I just didn't no, feel like fan. that was I was I was a fan, but I was I'm like I grew up I'm from Indiana, so I grew up two hours away from Chicago, and so we were okay. Chicago. Okay. So I think that for those girls who were um, in the city, yeah, you do know who he is. Yeah. He's like a hometown hero, you know, to some degree. Yeah. And even even if you're not a fan of the music, you're gonna right. be enamored by it's R. Kelly. Even if yeah. you're not a fan of the music, you love like like the clout and the status, and like he's a he's a singer. I was trying to think like. If somebody, I'm trying to think who I loved like back then, and I was like, like if Usher came and was like, "What's up?" I would probably be like, "What's up?" Like you're gonna go. There. I don't think I would be like, "You're 21 and I'm 15." But you we know what? When I was younger, I was in a club, and Usher used to Usher used to live here with Puffy, mm-hmm. and Usher was here. And Usher, I'm I'm small, so Usher was trying to get my phone number. And I was like, you young, you was a little boy. Like, that was just the first thing that came in my mind. Like, I'm not even trying to, but now as a grown-up, I'm like, I could have probably been with Usher, but, <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't have been like the confessions of Usher. He was like, right. you know, yeah. he was very young. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I have on occasion met R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. My friend uh, produced the song with him, Ja Rule and Ashanti, Wonderful. Um, and so we were having a conversation, him, him and Kelly and R. Kelly and I was having a conversation in the club and we were talking about the music and getting him back up with this particular producer and he just kissed me on my cheek and I was like, damn, that's weird. Cause like, that's not what we doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he know, I think I, I don't think I worked with pedophiles, I worked with pedophiles and, and sexual abuse. Like they know. Mm-hmm. They it's know like who, who they can try. Like they who, know who they who yeah. they can. I mean, I was just kind of taken aback by the whole like, damn, because that's not what that's not what we talking about music right, right. now. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you kind of, you know, I, I was testing you. See, I'm a grown ass woman now, right. so I know he probably was just like seeing. Your I, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he would have been with it. He, he ain't the like only it. man that's ever done it mm-hmm. in my life. Like it, this made me reflect a lot, a lot of things in in my life. I remember being sixteen. This this is what this really whole thing made me think about. I remember being sixteen, and my mother's boy riding the car with my mother's boyfriend one time, and he was like, "Was I sexually active?" And I was seventeen. I was seventeen, and I was like, "That ain't none of your fucking business," because that's how I give it up to, you know people who ask me things that they don't they didn't ask supposed to (laughs) and um but my mother didn't curse so i I had to like get home tell my mother before he said anything um but i went home and i told my mother i was like yeah your your dude was asking me like about sex and stuff like check him because that's not like i no i don't really know him like that and you know, my whole thing was like, I'm going to tell my mama before I tell my father. Because my father had already knocked this dude's teeth out before. Long story. 
but I had already, I, I had to tell my mother about it before. I don't know if anything ever was done. I know they didn't break up immediately, but I just think, I don't know where he was going with that, but I know my response to him, let him know where I was going with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. And I think that that's almost even like, at, since then, like all of this stuff has also come out. Like, do you think that people, first of all, I think most men, have probably done or said something that they don't even realize is inappropriate. Like the, asking a 17-year-old that question. He probably was trying to check your temperature, see what you were going to say, or just men that like say certain things. Um, you know, like Tori was on the show and he was, he's been on, he's talked about many things, like for, with sexual abuse, allegations from Harvey Weinstein. He's, he's featured on the R. Kelly documentary. And then it came out that he um, was saying like super inappropriate things to his makeup artist. So in his apology, he's like, well, I didn't even think that that was wrong and it was a joke and it was in jest and, and all these things. And I was saying that I don't think any woman has ever, there isn't, I'm sorry, there isn't a woman that hasn't experienced a man saying super inappropriate things from the workplace, family members, men on the street. Like men on the street say, it's, I think where I used to work at in Soho, this man used to literally be like, let me taste your ass. Like that's what he would say as you walk by. Now granted, he's probably a little sick in his head some marbles are missing but men don't even realize i feel like sometimes like what they're doing like and and i think that for me like that's one of the the important things with like speaking out and me too is that like y'all gotta stop saying crazy shit like that like it's not normal yeah. and i think right. we we kind of have normalized it like you're just like yes, all right you can't say that saying that his thing is that raised on rape culture like mm-hmm. we're raised in rape culture and because no one was ever really like checking it and yeah. saying like hey no this isn't right right or then, like, something you were talking about Usher. Then, I remember, it came out with Usher and allegedly him with Puff. And it's like, there was a... He did an interview, it was a long time ago, with Howard Stern. And it's like, for boys, y'all are taught to, like, nah, you can go fuck her early. Like, even if she's older. Like, Little Wayne was doing something with a little twist. And he's like, nah, Birdman put us in a room, told the girl, like, go suck Little Wayne's dick. And he was... I think he was 12 or something like that. So, it's like, yep. for men, yeah, you're... You're literally like, go fuck that older woman. Go do that. And then for women, it's like, no, 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 keep your mouth shut. Don't say shit. You can't say anything. But it's like, y'all got to be having sex with somebody. So these conversations need to be had earlier with, like, men and women. Because it is. Men are literally raised on rape culture. Like, it's okay to talk to her disrespectful. It's okay. Because you're, you're a boy. You're a man. Like, that's how it should be said. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have a story, a story like that. I was at Super Bowl and this uh, popular actor, I won't name his name. Um, I said something to him and he was like let me stick your finger in my, sink, my finger in your booty and I was like oh he was listening to too much future I was like what no this was before you. this is pre maybe he oh, taught future <laughs> but it was it was just like damn like you don't even know me like 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 that you know so yeah I think that men are just used to kind of saying whatever the hell they want to say and boys will be boys mm-hmm. and grab them by the pussy and yeah. we just kind of overlook it yeah Especially if they're if they have wealth and status and money and power and, and those things. I mean, anyone will say it, but they get they definitely get away with it because I'm sure he said it because it's worked, or no one has or no one made aside from you may have been like, yo, that's somebody crazy. Have been like, all right. I mean, I can't imagine it working it except for like a white girl, you know, no shade to white women, but like I just I I wasn't I. But I was saying that yesterday, like, I feel like all, all I had like a, a thousand conversations because I feel like I've said I was saying, having this conversation yesterday. <laughs> Clearly, I was talking a lot yesterday. 
Um, and but everything is so subjective because it was it was some conversation about um, like sending asking for nudes. I'm sorry, asking for videos of other people. Like if I'm if you're a guy and I'm into you and I'm like send me a video of you fucking somebody else so I know how that's you weird. Have sex. That's what I said. Someone and has asked. Me? I so I've literally was like no one asked that and they're like no people have asked me and this was. This was homosexual and heterosexual. But see, this is the whole thing, right? I was so confused by the part of the documentary when the guys were saying that R. Kelly would play back videos of him having sex with other people. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you be watching? Watching that. Why? I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of what people are doing when men are doing when they're watching porn Mm -hmm. because there's a penis and a vagina. Porn together. I right. just thought I just that just or ran. do they watch porn of people that they know like it's your just, homeboy? It just was a strange. Yeah, every that whole his whole that's why I said his whole clique, his whole circle. And I, first of all, I know they can't say too much. I'm I would be like almost positive y'all was fucking those little girls' friends also because they probably wasn't. If you're going to the mall and it, mm-hmm. it's just like anybody in the crew. So if I'm with you, you my girl, and we going out, and it's like your friends here. But what's some friends? Like, stop, yeah, what's the story right. from saying like, oh, I'm gonna just wait for my girl to get out the bathroom or or, or the whole... y'all were fucking them little yeah, girls too. Probably was equally as guilty. Equally. Yes. That's why I was like, that's why I act like so like, oh, we know about, we didn't know about. Nah, because y'all was doing it too. Like I, somebody at some point in time. Like I said, I would bet my bottom dollar that somebody was doing that as well. But the 33 year olds. And the yeah, twenty-two-year-olds and the forty-year-olds. I was like, "Can no man who can't read uh, make me do anything <laughs> I don't want to?" I'm sorry, like, right? He's he not he even hooked saw. on phonics. He can't right, get me hooked on him. That's but, not gonna happen. But from your experience, you saw. I feel like it is something like, "Let me test this out in the water. Let me test to see how you are gonna act." They seemed a little that, slow. It, that's what I was gonna say. The yeah. one chick was not, her elevator <laughs> did not go to the top oh, floor. Let's let's keep it a bunch. It did not at all, the, and, and the, they could leave. And the girl that was like, oh, yeah, because he bought the 16-year-old in, and then we were, he was making new stuff, and we was doing stuff. I was like, wait, Kitty. what? Because yeah. you, that was you, that was you were complicit. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, that was that one? Yeah, oh. that was. That was who? Kitty. Well, no, Kitty was the Kitty was the one Lisa. that didn't go to the. That was Lisa. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lisa. Yes. I'm like you was just I mean, you was not, a pedophile too. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. 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 Lisa yes. Was him for a minute. Yeah. She was yeah. a pedophile too because yeah, yeah. if you doing it with this little girl, you could yes. see she was 14. That's yeah. just like, disgusting. You can, exactly. You, could, you know. That's gross. You know. No, it was, he had them so brain. But then. Uh, because even, like, my boyfriend said that he's like, I don't understand, like, the part of putting the older women into into the story. But I'm like, but I feel like it, it, it establishes a pattern. No, he These was... women can leave, but they are grown-ass women making... They can seemingly, by the law, make their own decisions, and you still getting wrapped up in it. He was... What we saw was him transforming. The girls started getting older and older and older after Aaliyah. After, after he mm-hmm. peed on that girl? Mm-hmm. They started getting older. Mm-hmm. They started getting legal. Even if 16 yeah. is legal, yeah. 15 is legal, 17, 18 is legal. He had a 20-year-old. He had a 22-year-old. They started getting older. Mm-hmm. I think he I think, I think, think he had decided that this really wasn't so much about young vagina. Mm-hmm. This was about power and control. control. Yeah, manipulation and control. Yeah, right. Right. That, do you think that he, because how a girl, I think her name was Dominique, and he was having her wear. That like, was oh. weird. Yeah. Do you think he's moved on so to little weird. boys because he was making her, 
you know, wear uh, do rags. I was curious about that. Nah, I was like, like, I literally was wondering. I was like, I wonder if he's evolved. Like, you, it obviously hasn't come out, but like, it's almost like you have had so much pussy, essentially. Like, and granted, she's still a woman. Or well, a girl. I think he like, said in the in the. In the documentary, when he was talking, um, they showed a brief interview of him speaking out about his previous sexual abuse. And I felt like, I could be wrong, but I felt like he mentioned it was done by also a man, too. I don't know if he said it, but someone else did mention that he was, no, it was the little weirdo, (laughs) Geronda Pace. Oh, the one, the four, she the one said who met he, him at the trial. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that one. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. When he told her. She said. Girl. She. That poor girl. She looking at her like, no. She was 14. She should have been in school. Tawanda had an IEP. You could look at her and tell that she had, her elevator didn't go all the way to the top. <laughs> she looked like she's on a short bus. Uh, and uh, I'm I not. them. A, a, a lot of those women, they did look. They were, yeah. But you could tell something was very off, off with her. Mm-hmm. But she did tell a story about how he, um, how he told that he was molested by a, a boy, mm-hmm. um, by by a guy, mm-hmm. and he was into pegging. Yeah, which yeah. is what? a I book. Miss- out that one of his girls that escaped that's broke. That's Lisa, 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 Lisa put oh, Lisa out. Van Allen, she oh, said that, that he likes to have he likes he for likes girls to, to put a strap on. Mm-hmm. Or so maybe it's the so I think Dominique was yeah. his. Dominique was his boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. In so the book, it said he was having sex with his bodyguard. Like he made the he propositioned to have sex with the bodyguard. Oh, in the book, said they did it. But the bodyguard, well, not the bodyguard, the manager. The manager said that he him to have sex. I don't know. Yo, you just yeah, seem like I, a freak. I felt like he had moved. He had moved. <laughs> I, I, the SRB is the SRB. He's he sick. Like yeah, he's literally like, no, it just seems like he's like insatiable. Like nothing for him is ever going to satisfy I, it was, him. It, the whole thing was a game. Even how he made the girls control the other girls. He made yeah. the girls go get the other girls. He yeah, made yeah. the girls just as guilty as him yeah. because he got them to do things with these other people too. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that I'm a pedophile because I slept with a 12 year old when you, you slept with a 12 year old. And how so they it was be how the two friends, they never even they saw each other in the, house. in the house. I was like, how big was this goddamn house? Right. Then and, and they, I don't know. Leave. they could They couldn't the do anything. It's all around in the corner no. so that they couldn't even, they had to piss in buckets. That my, oh, first of all, you know That's my crazy. my uh, old, 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 do it anyway. Love yourself. Yeah. I like that. I do too. Um, and what do you know for sure? That happiness is a real thing. And you can have it. And it's 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 easier to get than you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With help. For some people. I mean, I think with help with everybody... I think you need you need help to to see it with everybody, especially if you come from the hood. For sure. I feel like happiness and love have some all, all 
it's become like dirty words mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And they're like out there hokey things that like, you know, white people and yeah. do it. But happiness and love is they're, they're real things that you can have now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh, we were talking about um, your book. Oh, okay. Did it come out? Yes. Can we find it? Where can we find it? My book is yes. called Finding Happy. <laughs> Seven steps to yes. it. Man, we just talk about <laughs> happiness you can have it. I'm like, oh, she wrote a book. Yeah, finding happy seven steps to relationships that will not steal your joy. And I talk about how you can survive and um, thrive after being in dysfunctional relationships. So it's a completely different book from anything that anybody has ever done. I, I, I wrote it from a clinical, psychological perspective, but I talk about, like, you know, growing up in the inner city in, in Brooklyn and. You know, dealing with my father, who was also narcissistic. I talk about him a lot on the show um, and having <laughs> and having him pass away and just kind of the self-care things and the boundaries and the mechanisms that I had to have in place to uh, maintain healthy relationships once I started to get healthy. Because once I started to get healthy, I was like, hey, there's a lot of this stuff that is not going to work in mm-hmm. my new, mm-hmm. in my, you know, my new judge. So I had to like start to, you know, separate myself from some things and renegotiate some roles and some other things. So the book talks about all of that. And where can people find the book? It's a great book. It's on Amazon. Okay. One more time. Say the name of the book. Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. And it's written by me, Nikita Banks. And Nikita, where can people find you on socials and your podcast? Okay, so my social media, Finding Happy 7 is the book uh, Instagram. Miss M- Miss M-S-N-I-K-I Banks is mine. And Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast site. So, Anything else you want to say? Nope, thanks for having me. Thank this has been fun. Coming. Thank you so much. So again, I want to thank Tiara and Gina for... Uh, allowing me to come on to the Oprah Rose podcast today. The episode is, I think there are hundreds, hundreds, hundreds and one. It's, it's, they have over a hundred episodes. So go on over there and enjoy this show. But this show will come out on Wednesday. So this is not the whole show. I didn't put their whole show on my whole show. But if you want to hear the whole entire show, go over to the Oprah Rose podcast.com. Okay, and check them out on their Instagram page, The Oprah Rose Show on Instagram. Okay, so you could check out their show on The Oprah Rose Show on Instagram. And uh, yeah, okay, be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com. And on the show's website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to send us any general feedback, show suggestions, uh, show topics, or guest ideas, please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Be well.